0: I like death with sex. How about you, Casey? You like sex with death? Yeah, so fuck up and die.
1: There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. We're all in fight. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Hey everybody! It's Katie. We're doing um, a new installment of B Bytes, a mini episode of B troved With me, as always, is Chris. Hello. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Yeah. It's um. We're gonna try a different, a little bit of a different format this time around. We're gonna play with the format a little bit. Sure. Because um. Why not? We did a full episode this weekend of uh, Cat Women, which is th- that was this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Cat Women of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're thinking about doing a l- something a little different. Instead of doing two full episodes a week, why don't we try and do a uh, full episode and a mini episode so we can dive into some more stuff? Yeah. Because sometimes we have... We've been doing two episodes a week, and I'm like, well, there's more stuff I'd like to get into on that. Mm -hmm. But then, what if you want to do two things on it? I don't want to have to put out, I don't really genuinely don't want to like overload your feed with our content.
1: Sure. Because
0: that can be kind of, you know, annoying.
1: Understandable. And people
0: post all the time.
1: I uh, was really excited this week because we decided to do one of my all time favorite. Franchises, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah. It's a franchise for sure. It's yeah, back. Yeah. Or it, at least it was recently. It was recently. I don't know if it still For is. a
1: feature. Um, but yeah. But we're doing Are You Afraid of the Dark?
0: Yeah. So we're going to do an episode. I think it's a thing we can do a lot, you know, in some of these bites. Occasionally it'll be that we want to jump into um, more stuff about the movie. But in mm-hmm. this case, uh, let's do some TV. Because when we were growing up, but way back in the old nineteen hundreds mm-hmm. uh, in the nineties mm-hmm. and uh, there was so much like Before- children's um children's like horror television and sci fi television. Yeah A lot of episodic stuff
1: way more kids genre.
0: There really was and, and I don't I don't know what the um sort of I don't know what brought that down over the years. You know what I mean? Like um what? Nine eleven. Nine Okay. okay. <laughs> Go on. Uh,
1: well, I feel like you just
0: yeah. mean that people didn't want to like be yeah. set be scared, or sad after. Yeah, we didn't want
1: to subject our children, children to that.
0: Yeah, we, I guess that's true. It, it softened at, a lot.
1: We were, you know, babies of the eighties, children in the nineties, and um, I think that once we learned how to party like it was nineteen ninety nine, two years later, 9-11 happened, and it was just a different world. We weren't doing the same kind of genre mm-hmm. things that we were in the past a little bit lighter for children and Spongebob took over. That's what the kids were watching. I, <laughs> like we I wanted, follow you. Everybody, everybody was into lighter, lighthearted content. I see what you're we saying. went very bubblegum. No, I see what you're saying. And it was really just in the last, you know, five, seven years we started having vampires and monsters with our kids. content remember, again, like,
0: 10, 10 plus years. Shh. I mean, it's been a minute. Shh. I think the first uh, Twilight movie came out, what, well over 10 years ago.
1: Oh, but that's teeny. I'm not, I'm talking Nickelodeon is like 12 and under. Yeah, for sure. For well, example, think, this is rated for 7U. Yeah, seven but eight. I think
0: the point of the whole thing is just that, like, we don't get a lot of this episodic horror TV anymore. Exactly. Um, And this was 1993. The show started in 1992. It's a Canadian production. Everyone knows uh, that Are You Afraid of the Dark is a Canadian production. In fact, it's got some of, like, some of your favorite Canadian actors have been on this show and they Mm -hmm. pop up in episodes all the time. Uh, even like at one point, Alicia Cuthbert was part of the uh, midnight society. Mm -hmm. She was one of those kids, uh, Gosling's on at least one of these episodes. He might be on more than one. Um, but yeah, you, you end up with a lot of Canadian actors who, who got their starts on this show. Um, but this episode in particular, we're going to do today is season two, episode two, the tale of the midnight madness. It originally aired June twenty sixth, nineteen ninety three, uh, and it's a production between YTV, which is Canada's sort of Nickelodeon um, amalgamation. Mm-hmm. It's it's their Viacom sort of okay. programming. Uh, it was a between Nickelodeon and YTV, and the show was, I believe, produced by YTV and in, in Canada. And, um, optioned in America for, you know, um, sure. to, to, to go through uh Nickelodeon. And if I'm not mistaken, it was, um, an originally aired in a Canada thing until maybe this season when they started airing it in a uh, Nickelodeon, like at the same time, mm, mm-hmm. um, because I think we got some of them out of order, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I want to think that we did. I think that when they originally aired, some of them aired out of order. I
0: think mostly in the first season. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also why it's sort of confusing when you look at the... Because this is on... You can find it. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. You can find it just about anywhere. But the, I think, legal versions would be on Amazon. They have mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of it. Uh, and what's weird is the vo- they're, they're listed in volumes. Nickelodeon did that with a lot of their content. And I don't like it
1: i noticed and i'm a little confused by it
0: it's because when they started releasing television like that it was the dvd era like mm. heavy in dvd era mm-hmm. and they didn't do they didn't release everything in um full seasons it was these like volumes of things um because i, I remember uh, when these first started coming out, they really didn't really, they released some DVDs, but they were like, it, it was, I think it was because of the, the amount of data you could put on a DVD. Most likely they didn't sure. want to release a box set.
1: And I can imagine that you want to get your money's worth when you're, when you're distributing via DVD and it probably holds more than a typical. You're season. totally right. And you
0: know what? I just remember something else. They were doing VHS before this, mm-hmm. um, because I remember having, and I still have uh, around somewhere orange VHS tapes. Oh yeah, we do. And, um, that was when Nickelodeon started doing volumes of things like Rugrats and their Nicktoons, where there wasn't they they didn't have enough space clearly to put a whole season out because mm-hmm. uh, VHS is is time based yes. more than data based, and so um, and they with a really, runtime
1: of twenty five minutes you, you only have you a couldn't finite. fit that many episodes in yeah. there
0: because most VHSs in the highest quality are doing like sixty minutes, mm-hmm. um so so that's why we have all these kind of weird volume situations mm-hmm. cuz this is actually on like volume 1 on uh, Amazon sure. which I bought a long time ago to watch on mm-hmm. Amazon like like years ago um but some of them are included in these Nickelodeon sort of streaming channels that are on Amazon some of them you can purchase but honestly they're on youtube illegally if you need to go find them mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to watch if you want to watch along there are ways to find them but uh this episode um is is one of those that was seminal for me as a kid because i remember this vividly
1: same this one as soon as this one starts i recognize the theater and i um This one brings up some nostalgia for me.
0: Well, and it has some recurring things in it. This is a Dr. Vink episode. And Dr. Vink is a recurring character, not in the world of, like, the Midnight Society, but definitely in the world of the horror stories. Yes. So this one, I've got a quick synopsis from the, um, the official synopsis. Dr. Vink helps a struggling movie theater gain more patrons with a copy of the classic vampire film Nosferatu, which is not really... That but you know mm-hmm. whatever, but when Doctor Vink gets cheated out of his money in saving the theater, he curses the famous movie monster to step out of the movie and haunt the theater, and it's up to the two teenaged ushers to break the curse. But truthfully, that's not really what happens because he's not cheated out of his money. He doesn't really care about money in this. Sa- but I guess we'll get into it. Yeah, we will. that's the official synopsis.
1: Well, that's it. We don't have to talk about it anymore. No.
0: Well, real quick, Doctor Vink uh, was played by an actor named Aaron uh, Aaron Tager.
1: Yeah, and if you were a child of the nineties, you may recognize him as the old shop villain in everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he kind of he, he he was that guy. He he passed away last year at eighty four um from <clears throat> in Toronto. He was originally born in Brooklyn, uh, New York, where the other character in this is clearly from. Clearly. Um he he was actually he was originally an actor, classically trained actor. Uh, he did a lot of stage stuff, which you can see immediately. Oh, yeah. Um, but then he went on to be like an artist and sculptor and poet for many, many years and didn't start acting until much later in life. In fact, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark is one of his first television, like like acting credits that wasn't sure. theater. Um he just genuinely took most of his life to go do art and his you can still see some of his artwork if you find his website, which mm-hmm. is now kind of a memorial because he passed away. I mean, literally a year ago. Mm-hmm. But some of his visual stuff, visual media is beautiful. Really, really great artist. Um
1: I'll have to look that up. Yeah, man, he, can he strike a pose. I know.
0: It's kind of all he does. It's a lot of voguing. Um, but yeah, not until like 1990 did he really start acting, like in anything you'd see. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see such a, a later in life thing because he was born in 34. So what was that in 1990? That was 60, uh, yeah. almost 60. Yeah, right at. Oh, that's a hard 50 something to... in, in yeah, this. It is. Jeez.
1: Well, I they have they clearly have him swishing with some you know two. Oh yeah,
0: and... they've got him. They, they 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 use the the community theater makeup if nothing else. Are You Afraid of the Dark is an is a uh, is a is a global showcase for the community theater actor and special effects artist. Yes. Some of this stuff's really good that they do in the series, but oh, occasionally I love it. but man, their their production budgets are and, and and acting is it's just so community theater. And it's partially a product of Canada because yes. it is government funded television.
1: And it's beautiful. So this story was actually inspired Which, by a real Pied quickly, Piper. Don't
0: get me wrong; I have no problem. Sorry to cut you off. I have no problem with government-funded television. I wish that we get more funding. I support it, yeah. The way and tax write-offs <laughs> the way Canada does, but uh, that's a whole another story for yeah. another day.
1: Um, this was a this is a Pied Piper type story. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I learned in in looking this up was I had no idea that Nosferatu was an anagram.
0: You know, I didn't know that either. Um, Because the character's not named Nosferatu. No. In in Nosferatu, it's Count Olaf. Or sure. Orlov. Yes.
1: Um, But Nosferatu is an anagram for fear us not.
0: That I never came across that in the years that I've been alive and into scary things.
1: Neither have I. And that kind of broke my brain. <laughs> um, But it, it was, you know, it was just enough that I had to note because I was like, okay, is this one of those things that were sure. just late, like happy accident?
0: And this is such a funny, like like amalgamation of Nosferatu. That's like the fourth time I've said amalgamation. It is. Um, like a, it's, It is a mashup kind of a vampire-y Nosferatu-y things.
1: Yeah, it is. And um, I want to talk a little bit about Christopher Heyerdahl who plays Nosferatu in this rendition um, because this is his first role as a vampire and you would recognize him from many things. So 15 years later... He plays a vampire again in the Twilight Saga. So he. What a turn. I know. So he has been in um, Arrow. He was in Supernatural, True Blood, Gotham. He was in Blood. He was in True Blood
0: and Blade. So he's been a lot of vampires.
1: Yes. He genuinely he gets parts for his face. He is a great character actor. Um and he is just one of those people who is undeniably recognizable.
0: Well, and and, and his Nosferatu is so recognizable to me to the point of where it's really funny. There's a couple of <clears throat> there's a couple of different, excuse me. Um I feel like Nosferatu is of different generations mm-hmm. and and it's weird because like growing up this was the Nosferatu vampire that was in my head yes from the time that I was uh, oh my god you just showed me a picture of the guy that played Nosferatu that's uh, that's one of the that's one of the demons from Supernatural yes that's, that's what the I said. torturer what's his yes. name
1: yes he uh, the one who teaches who taught de-
0: tortured Dean in hell correct. spoiler alert
1: Um, I can't say his name top that's in my head. so weird but I thought you'd appreciate. It makes appreciate perfect that.
0: sense. I had no idea that guy is in everything.
1: But I will say I didn't recognize you know what? him because of this makeup.
0: You know what? Though Canadian actor, I'm, mm-hmm. assume, I'm assuming. I believe so because this is all because Supernatural is also shot in Canada, so you get mm-hmm. a lot of local hire. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: he is. He's from British Columbia. There you go.
0: It's all Vancouver.
1: And he is six foot four. Yeah, he's a tall guy. Um, but this was one of his. You know earlier roles um in this makeup of course he's not recognizable but he definitely is an icon to me because this is how i envision your nosferatu style yeah and it's vampire
0: the the other one i'd have to say probably like the next generation above us knows the actual nosferatu probably more because it's a meme yeah it's uh from spongebob yeah like the the walking around in the dark in the nosferatu yeah that's that's just actual nosferatu Mm -hmm. but growing up on nickelodeon they played clips from this episode constantly like this nosferatu was one of those um the striking images that they would use you know that you'd remember from are you afraid of the dark and they would use in their ad campaigns Mm -hmm. and stuff all the time for Mm -hmm. years so this one stuck with me a lot um in fact, this is a, a major source and we'll get into it. So this is a major source of kinder trauma for me. So like I, I have a lot of kinder trauma that I can I can think back on and like go, okay, so that's that thing that clearly shaped this or scared mm-hmm. me. This particular episode is one of those that stuck in my brain. And there's a few things from Are You Afraid of the Dark. I'm trying to figure out what the other episodes are. <coughs> um, sorry guys, our dogs are out for this episode. Uh, what the other episodes are for for that because there's specific images that, that really stick out in my head. And one of them is from this episode. Yeah. But, um, let's jump into this and, and break it down a little bit like sure. regular episode style. It shouldn't take us very long because it is, So absolutely short.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty short. What I really love is every time a "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" episode starts, I just like wiggle and like settle down in front of the TV because that heartbeat starts going, the theme song and the swings start creaking, and it's that series of shots that is there cold open. And the whole intro to this
0: this show, as soon as the beginning starts, I have this little voice inside of my head that's like, "Oh, I'm out." I just had this like full on, I'm ready to bail. Mm -hmm. Like, cause it used to scare the shit out of me. Just seeing, just seeing the intro, hearing that. Like Uh also I spent a long time trying to figure out how they did the lighting the match thing as a kid. Sure. Cause I just wanted to like be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, But uh, yeah, so it goes right into that, into, into the midnight society and um, it gets real Canadian real quick.
1: So we open on POV uh, of someone approaching our two campers at the fire. Yep. Um, And it's Fright Night at the Majestic Theater. We're really excited because this is how we always start a uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Oh, just
0: around the campfire. Yep.
1: All our groups come to the campfire and um, they're just, you know, they're they're a bunch of kids.
0: And this is a... uh one of these... It, well, you, you get the main guy that I... I my brain is, is broken. I forget his name. But mm-hmm. he's in, like, every episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yep. The guy with the glasses. Um, for a while. And then I think at one point he... is no longer in it. And then something to do with his brother. I don't remember. Um, but I do remember that one of the actors is... Um, she played uh, Cher in the TV version of uh, <laughs> Clueless. Yeah. And was in tons of stuff. Because she looks like Alicia Silverstone. Yes. But this was a remarkably fast... Cold open, open for them.
1: Oh yeah, they jump right in on this one.
0: Sometimes there is like a lot of story. Yeah, Because there is sort of this overarching story occasionally that comes in and out of mm-hmm. uh, the Midnight Society. But this one was like, let's get right into it.
1: So what's interesting that you note is that this is one of the, this is actually the last episode that our Midnight Society members cut into the middle of the story.
0: Yeah. They, occasionally they would break in the voiceover, but this was the From last the, time.
1: Mm-hmm. From here on out, they would do an Occasional voiceover of the narrator, but this is the last time that mid story we get to catch up which with is, Midnight Society. Which
0: is quick because this series went on for like, I think, seven seasons. This is like the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, like, the show is not about, like, sometimes you remember the Midnight Society, you remember that. Sure. Because it's the wraparound, but the show is about the, the, the story
1: exactly
0: more than anything
1: so submitted for the approval of the midnight society this time is the tale of the midnight madness
0: yep and um we go right back into canadian stuff you know one of the things about the the about that when he starts to tell the story Mm -hmm. um you know they cut to these little um, cutaways of each person and they're always like they're always like looking at each other and, and like going, <gasps> ooh, spooky. Mm-hmm. But occasionally they cut to people like they, they, uh, they'll cut to them looking at, like, looking at the person and then looking away, like, contemplatively and like looking at the fire or something like that. I was like, I wonder what chords it's striking. The, right. the story that they're telling. Like, I, I I, was reading on their faces this time. I'm like, man, what is there like a weird abuse subplot that you're dealing with at home? Or like, you have bad grades? <laughs> like, what is what chord is this you're story layering striking in with you? Some, But some you can layer it in on their context, face. Cause right. it's like, why are they, why do they cut away to this? Like, what is the reaction? I'd love to hear that from that, from an actor's perspective. Sure. Like, what is the, uh, what is the goal of you're hearing someone tell a story? that doesn't necessarily pertain to your life. However, you can no longer look at them, you're going to look off and start thinking about something that that how it relates to you. Where where do you get that from? Cuz sure. I don't do that in everyday life when someone's talking to me, but it's such a actor thing.
1: It is, and I like to imagine that these particular kids are thinking about like the last thing their tutors were trying to teach them. Schoolwork. Yeah, schoolwork. Maybe who they need to offered. apologize the, to, the, the, like craft sir- what, services people. Who were they saying. need to apologize
0: to? What if they miss hockey practice? Yes. Do they have curling in the morning? Mm-hmm. Um, where are they going to get their next cheese curds for this week's poutine? They got to bring home the cheese curds because mom's not going to make there poutine.
1: Enough gravy. I mean, these what are they going to do? Are the
0: is there a Tim Hortons on the way home? For from their house how how many words do the Inuits have for snow babe okay
1: we go to a movie theater and it's the end of the film we've got one person in the theater clapping for the end screen and we learn from the it's uh, the
0: saddest old woman you ever met in your life
1: she's kind of gripey
0: she's real sad
1: she's real sad she's a little gripey um, this is where we get to meet. Watching
0: the Bostics of Beacon Hill.
1: Mm-hmm. We get to meet Christoph, who is our theater manager. Okay,
0: they don't say his name till way late, yeah. and I have a lot of questions about him. So first of all, okay, first of all, the character Mister Kristoff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that this guy, this was like who, whose decision was it to make him like um, a fake Bronx like Louis De Palma type?
1: I think it was the actor's decision.
0: Like, he he went for it, and he this did. is a strong choice.
1: Yeah, it's a real strong choice. But the
0: thing that struck me about this, before we even go any further, is that he is such a generic Canadian adult in mm-hmm. the 90s. And I don't know if it still maintains to this day, but it was this way in sort of Degrassi, the next generation, like when we were in high school, too. It's like, all of the adults, there's something really weird about the way that Canadian adults on children's TV interact with kids. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very strange, and it seems to be quite era-specific, but it's like it's like they're talking to them like adults, almost, mm-hmm. but in a way that seems patronizing.
1: I think it's partially a theater thing, too, because they spend a lot of time working, you know, multi-generational theater productions, mm-hmm. and a lot of times you've got your chorus of sugar plums that need to be talked down to. Yeah,
0: but it's not even that they're talking down to them. It's that they're talking to them just like they're adults, like you were... Like You know, people say you should talk to kids like they're an adult. Don't Mm -hmm. treat them like a baby, you know, but, but... But somehow in doing it, it seems like they're playing and the kids, like it always seems like the adult is acting and the kid is being real when it's the adults and the kids speaking to each other. And I don't know what that is a product of, but you know what I'm saying? It's almost like they come across as acting and then they turn to have a scene with an adult and both of those adults seem like they're not acting. You know what I mean? Mm, Like they're playing it. They're doing a lot better when they don't have to act with a kid because and it's never the kid's fault, really. It seems like the kid is doing their own thing sure and everyone in this has a lot of that uh, mm-hmm. in their acting. It's very community theater everybody Everybody can monologue really well, but mm-hmm. no one acts off of each other very well.
1: yeah there's no reacting and happening.
0: it's always super evident when it's adults talking to kids mm-hmm. and i don't know I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah, we get this. We get a community theater performance learning that um, this theater is broke. They're only making $6 a night. Yeah. And half of those proceeds seem to be coming from Pete, um, who's one of our ushers. Um, He's our protagonist of this particular story. Yeah.
0: Pete is the. Pete went on to found New Beverly and then sell it to Quentin Tarantino.
1: Yes. Um. So
0: Pete would hate this quarantine.
1: He would. Pete doesn't
0: Netflix and or chill?
1: No, he has no chill. Even though he
0: tries to chill later a couple times.
1: Yeah, he does. See, so he tries to chill with Katie. Yep. He once Pete learns that um the theater may be shutting down because of financial situation. He canvasses the town to try to save the Rialto Theater um but and it doesn't it doesn't work the same old woman is the only person coming to the theater also and she's it's, not having it she also it's
0: like it. it's canada outside that's what the weather is yeah. and i'm like how are these people even getting to this movie theater that old lady might freeze on the way home i know it's like a blizzard
1: not pictured was her snowshoes outside yeah
0: Huge snowshoes. Massive. Because everyone knows that in Canada, they walk down streets with... Snow. I know you went to high school in a frigid northern environment. I mean... But, I mean... Yeah. Did you snowshoe a lot?
1: Hell no. <laughs> I lived less than a block away from my high school, and I drove because I was not going to walk in the snow. That's how it was. Wow.
0: I think there's an intruder in the, uh, in the fortress. Maybe it's a birdie. Probably.
1: So... Once our empty theater, um, now a shadowy figure approaches, and while Pete and Katie are talking about what they can do to save the theater, there's a big bang and rattle at the door,
0: and it's Doctor Motherfucking Vink.
1: Doctor Vink in the house. He, he creeped
0: me out throughout my childhood.
1: Oh, Doctor Vink haunts me to this day. But
0: he, yeah, he, I never can understand his motivation. As, a, as his character arc throughout these things, because he's the same character, mm-hmm. but I they, they never understand his motivation. He's kind of just like this mad scientist, agent of chaos kind of character. Yeah,
1: I think that he's a little bit of a... Um,
0: and they don't give him a lot of why.
1: No, they don't give him a lot of why, but I think that he has a little bit of a mischievous Um. um Bah, I'm He's like the, name. the Joker.
0: He's an agent of chaos. His goal is not to really Why accomplish can't I say anything Thor's other than his brother's name. Loki. That's hey what you. I'm talking about. He is a he is an agent of chaos. Yes. He just wants to create chaos.
1: But his superpower is magic and I love it.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So Dr. Vink is here to save the theater. He uh, excitedly reveals that he found the flyer, and that
0: smell. No modern theater has that smell. It's stale popcorn. Yeah. First of all, I call it bullshit because every theater smells like that, modern or not.
1: Does not matter. It always smells like stale popcorn. <laughs> um, so he is a filmmaker. We learn that he used to be quote least, filmmaker. Sure, it doesn't. I mean.
0: I think Dr. Vink probably shoots some documentaries oh, that man. that uh that aren't legal to watch even on the internet. Yeah. Like 100%, they're all snuff films, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay. Um so he used to be but he magically reveals this uh can of film and in this story the vampire wins. He's very mm-hmm. excited. Um he's going to help them make money. And once they become successful, he only has one stipulation in making this deal. He wants one night a week where he can show whatever he wants at this theater. And
0: Mr. Kristoff agrees, and I'm waiting for him to say, forget about it. Uh-huh. I mean, it is like, like, like the fact that they don't cut to him eating spaghetti and garlic bread at some point in this is like, we get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he agrees to make the deal. The can falls off the stage, and Pete catches it. And in that moment, Doctor Vink disappears. disappears.
0: He also says, "I don't want your popcorn money," and that made <laughs> me laugh really, really right. hard. Yeah.
1: Um, so the manager <laughs> just says uh, to throw it out, and Pete decides to stash it in the projection booth because kids got foresight. Yeah. Um, things still weren't going well. Nope. It's been um, another Saturday night. A few weeks later, and Christoph s- receives notice that we see him
0: in the in the. The thing sitting there, and I thought that something was great in his little office. There's, first of all, there's a "This Island Earth" poster in the background. The other poster is "It Came from Outer Space." Mm-hmm. I, I've seen "This Island Earth" a thousand times because uh, MST3K, the movie, is "This Island Earth," and uh, and that was pretty awesome to catch. But the other thing was, did you notice the huge ashtray on his desk, and the fact that he starts taking swigs out of a flask? This is '90s kids TV. Uh huh. I love it. I mean, it's he's so no great. smoking. Clearly, no. But the drinking, the drinking because of your problems is such a like. Oof, we're really doing that, huh?
1: It's real. So uh, things have not changed. We've got two weeks' notice before the owners are going to close the theater.
0: And and that was weird too because they sent a letter. The owners sent a letter. We had phones in nineteen ninety
1: three. Yeah, but this is Canada.
0: Also, here's my other question. This is a more of an overarching, like, doesn't have anything to portray the story. Why is this guy the manager of an old-timey movie theater?
1: You know. Like,
0: why is it this particular guy? Like, he genuinely is doing a Louis De Palma from Taxi.
1: Yeah, I feel which like. Which is a
0: reference no one's going to get. Google it. This Danny DeVito. This
1: guy, this character was clearly, like, the son of a friend. He's, like, the son of. You know what I mean? I
0: guess, but he, he works it like he's a fucking teamster.
1: He works it like he is making money out the back door.
0: Yeah, it's really weird. And just yeah. the choices that that actor makes. Luckily, he's not in this much longer. But <laughs> the choices that that actor makes are, are pretty tremendous. He's yeah. taking broad swings.
1: Yeah, this is when we get to see the magical can of film starts glowing red yep. and ominously opening. Um, the projector bursts open and the film that's playing burns up.
0: Burst into flames, man. This is the evil. The evil film. And I, I love myself a, an evil uh, can of film a, a possessed. Can of film Who doesn't I, I've, I have like Three different Short films That have all Entailed That that never got finished Because I was like What can I do With this Haunted videotape Haunted whatever I'm like Well everyone else Has done everything um, <laughs> So I don't know What to do But this Really made me Understand that Sometimes it doesn't Matter
1: It really doesn't Because it's matter. like
0: Why is this lighting up It magically Who happens Who gives a shit Like it just happens And you just kind of Deal with
1: it This is proof to The The um
0: Twenty-two minutes. The
1: magic of what our minds will do just to connect the dots to yeah. keep going.
0: Oh, and the length of this—they they actually did a really good job of um,
1: hitting all the beats.
0: They hit all the beats because they they're able to like leave some stuff out, which we're complaining about. But man, for I mean, it, it, for. For all they really had to tell this story, is probably about 18 minutes yeah. of the whole s- runtime. Easy.
1: So Pete has an idea to save the day. Katie runs down to the theater to announce to a, you know, on a third of the way full yeah. theater. They've got some people in there now. And
0: they can have their money back if they don't like this new movie.
1: Yep. She's going to play something from the silent era. And oh my God.
0: That old lady is far too aware of her mortality. I don't care for it.
1: She is far too aware for it, but they are, this audience is so hyped.
0: Oh yeah, they're into Nosferatu, the demon vampire, Well, which is weird.
1: Which is not a thing, but also Dr. Vink's version where the vampire wins at the end.
0: Also does, but does Nosferatu as a film, like the German impressionist sort of, or like the German film, does it exist in this universe? I don't know. That's what's weird. Because like Nosferatu isn't just like... Like it's a very specifically um specific movie, right? So
1: I don't it know. is. Um, Pete and Katie are just excited as I get out. We've and got then a hit. They, and then they go, hug. Yeah, which is and adorable. then he says,
0: "Let's hug again." <laughs> yeah, and then they hug for a second. She's like, "Wait," and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." <sighs> that was really funny. I thought that was cute.
1: Um, they have to go tell Kristoff because right. they're just jazz as can be. They didn't have to give anybody a refund tonight.
0: Well, and uh, and yeah, and he's pumped. And this, this another thing I thought was weird about this Nosferatu thing. Did you notice that Jonathan Harker is a character in this Nosferatu? Mm-hmm. But that's weird because Jonathan Harker is from Bram Stoker's Dracula, has nothing to do with Nosferatu. This is the weirdest amalgamation of vampire movies. Yeah, in hindsight. In hindsight, I had no idea what any of this was as a kid, so no. it all just makes perfect sense. Yeah, I but think that now as a child, I'm like, "Ooh, this is bumping." Me.
1: I think that as a child, I would have it, not that I knew what Nosferatu was, but if you said vampire, it was it was. There's three vampires that come to mind. You've got Nosferatu, you've got Dracula, and you've got Count Dracula.
0: <laughs> and Count Chocula. Yeah. And the Count from Sesame Street.
1: But those, I mean, that's it.
0: Yeah no, I, I know what you mean. The, I did learn about Nosferatu from this. Yes, because this came out when we were seven years old.
1: Oh, I was I remember watching were, yes, this as six or a seven child. years old. Yeah. Um. So they are really jazzed to tell Christoph that the movie was a hit and it saved the theater just like Doctor Vink predicted.
0: And then Doctor Vink breaks into the door and fully cock blocks Pete.
1: Oh yeah, he uh, shakes Doctor. Or er- so Christoph comes and he's like shakes Doctor. Vink's hand, and he's all like, "Yeah, let's make a deal." Right. And Doctor. Vink's like, "No, we had a deal. He wants to be able to show his films, and he doesn't like. He offers a rental fee only, and Doctor. Vink is like, uh, uh-uh. uh, uh,
0: uh. Yeah, because the character of Mister. Christoph, which is the worst name, and if you ever call me that. I'm going to leave you. <laughs> um, it,
1: it, I know what I'm calling now. All you of a sudden, yeah.
0: Thanks. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, he's like a full-on uh, like mob guy. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Like he's a he's extorting Doctor he, Vink. End point.
1: of stories, uh, Doctor Vink, which is code for last final offer.
0: And then Doctor Vink gets mad and. You know, does his little ominous harbinger of things to come. Mm-hmm. This is not the end of blah, blah, blah. And then he dispairs. vogues out the he door. He does. He he strikes a pose. The doors close around him, which is a real thing that you people don't understand. When you're a stage actor, you can just make doors close. Yeah. Because you're so used to doing it on stage because it's all about repetition. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So the theater continues to do well, and Pete's kind of trying to figure out, like, why this movie is so successful. So
0: he sits down, and he's studying it with a notebook.
1: Yes.
0: And as he falls asleep... Mm-hmm.
1: Nosferatu literally breaks the fourth wall. And this
0: is where we begin the series of images that fucked my childhood up. Mm-hmm. So, like, Nosferatu coming out of the screen and creeping around really mm-hmm. haunted me, like, mm-hmm. as a child. It's genuinely one of my most, like, prevalent, like, kinder trauma memories. Yeah. It's in the top... 10 for yeah sure
1: that like perspective shot of him coming out where you can see half of the black and white the film world starts and half to break the through. real world yeah. it's
0: so great it's extremely effective too.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so pete freaks out obviously and he goes to tell kate about what he thinks he dreamed And they kind of, you know, they shake it off. And And then they almost
0: kiss. And this time he gets cock-blocked again, but by Nosferatu. Yes. At which point, if it had existed, this would be a very good meta moment for them to play the Nosferatu meme from SpongeBob.
1: It would have been really great. Um, Just saying. This is where he gets to confess that he kind of likes her and stuff. True. And then uh, they start the chase. So they...
0: That shot of the fingers curling around the door is the one that haunted my nightmares. That... Like, the the him in the shadow is a great homage to Nosferatu, yes. which is very scary, and that but freaks that me out. that
1: curled, gnarled hand...
0: But that particular... And they do the same thing in Nosferatu, but that shot from Nickelodeon of mm-hmm. the gnarled hand curling around, the fingers curling around the door, it to this day is a problematic three in the morning pops into my head sort of image that I wish yes. would go away.
1: <laughs> this is, he, his Nosferatu is an image that my subconscious conjures at the most inopportune times. And it's, just to fuck with me. And
0: it's so fascinating how, um, it doesn't scare me anymore. Watching this is not scary No, at all. However, there is a little part of me that can still conjure up the fear of it through the lens of being a child mm-hmm. that is so interesting
1: oh it just triggers that like it,
0: it's not making me scared it's just telling me it's giving me a, a memory to go like you were f- afraid of this shit mm-hmm, once
1: mm-hmm. so pete and kate run to uh find mr Kristoff in his office face down on his desk with puncture wounds he done in his got neck. bit pete tries to call 911 but the phone is dead um, Pete and Katie run off to there's a lot find of, help.
0: There's a lot of good, um, we don't have time for this. The story is, this show is too short. Uh-huh. Things in this moment where Katie's immediately like, I'll stay with him. And he's like, no, we don't know. It's better if we stick together. I'm like, in any other thing, you draw that out a little bit. Right. So like, it's interesting how quick they're able, you've got really good, uh, you got really good kids' TV writers. Yes. Going on here.
1: Absolutely. But these kids, he, Pete's seen enough TV to know they can't split up.
0: Yeah. He's he, a movie buff. Yes.
1: So they run off and. We get to see this great chase scene of Nosferatu's shadow lurking and leering at them.
0: And it's veiny veiny penis head.
1: Oh my god, it's so, <laughs> vascular. so veiny, right? Yeah. The most vascular head I've ever seen. Such a vascular skull cap. Um he Nosferatu is uh, trying to beat at these locked doors. The kids run from one room to another. It doesn't
0: matter where they run because Nosferatu can just magically open any door. It
1: doesn't matter. Which and is they always a scary. Try though. to convince each other that like this isn't real. This can't be real. Movies aren't real. But that guy looked pretty real to me.
0: Yeah, and then Pete's got a plan, mm-hmm. and he because of the because of the time constraints makes us a lot of assumptions to formulate this plan really quickly and execute it to perfection. But you got to let that go because it's a kid's TV show and there's like four minutes left.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So he has Katie throw the last reel of the film up on the projector and he runs down to confront Nosferatu.
0: Yep. And right as Nosferatu is about to get Katie, he flips the switch. She flips the switch Mm -hmm. and the movie starts running. So Nosferatu immediately somehow knows what's up. But that's oh, yeah. okay. We'll let that go because there's only 22 minutes. And he goes down to go get Pete. Pete.
1: Yeah. So as Pete approaches the screen, he enters into the movie world. Um. And there's this room. So we're it appears like we're in a castle or a tower. And there's a body on the floor and a coffin in the middle of the room. So Pete starts dragging the coffin around. It's the Jonathan Harker
0: scene. It's the, end, right? the it's the end of the movie from earlier. Yes. He's got to get him into the light.
1: Yes. So um. Nosferatu poops himself into the film Quite literally Yep. He looks like he's trying to like poot one out And he just like oh, onto no. the screen Did you just hear Miles? Yeah, I did I don't know if they did we'll see
0: <laughs> Yeah our, um, our uh,
1: We've got a soon to be 10 month old puppy Who likes to, to groan
0: Yeah and he's a retriever husky mix So he's very vocal Very vocal <sighs> So sorry
1: <laughs> So um, Katie wants to cut the film But Pete knows he'll be trapped um, and again a lot
0: of assumptions but go, he go has it.
1: seen the ending he knows what to do he rips down um, a covering to expose a sunny window that turns nosferatu into dust yep. before exiting the film and getting a hug from katie yep it's the light and then
0: uh, mr Kristoff is yep. still there and then honestly the uh dr Vink is there yeah, Dr. Vink shows
1: up. He poofs into the theater because he wasn't there before. He magically appears. and You
0: can't have a completely positive ending in one of these. No. But this is one of the more positive endings. It
1: really is.
0: It's still a the end question mark ending. But For
1: sure. Um, he was enjoying the film. He liked the way Pete changed the ending. <laughs> he would have written it better himself. Or couldn't have, rather. And then... Uh, Kristoff offers Doctor Vink what he always wanted. He wanted the night of the week at the theater, but that's okay because Doctor Vink twist. just purchased the theater from the original bah, owners. Bah, bah. Now he can show his films every night.
0: And they're like, "No!" And then we cut back to he the laughs Midnight maniacally. Society. Now that's a a fun little twist. And then at the end, the Midnight Society people are like, oh, "I don't want to go to the Midnight Madness now. I'm mm-hmm. too scared." And then and except for the two TV older guys, guys. yeah, we are like, haha, we just stole this tickets from our friends. Uh-huh.
1: We scared our friends out of giving us these free tickets."
0: It's kind of, it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of great though. But it is, it is, it is great. And I, I thought this was a really good ending. Um, it's one of the better. It's really one of the more positive endings for one it of is. these. Because sometimes these are horrifically depressing stories.
1: Sometimes they can be bleak. Like
0: no one died in this. Nope. It's really. Yep. I'm gonna assume that that old lady's dead by the time she left the theater from hypothermia. Sure. Um, no, honest. In all honesty, though, this this episode in particular has a very real magic to it, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like it really worked over my brain as a child, but like in a really positive way.
1: This is definitely brain candy for me.
0: This is this is genesis of my interest in film and, and movies and. Uh, the magic of movies, all these kind of things—the magic of being scared mm-hmm. uh, from films and horror. This this, this is first, a genesis moment for me.
1: This was a genesis moment of me wanting to go to midnight
0: showings. Sure, liking that whole mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I just I look back on this as a very uh, specific moment in my life where I was like, oh, these are things that I really like. Yes. Um, and I, and I attribute a lot of that to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um attribute that to a million different things from growing up uh from my childhood, but like horror stuff uh particularly in Louisiana, where I was off and on where my family's from, is like Shit is just scary there. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like old stories or like voodoo stuff or Mm -hmm. ghost stuff, everything's haunted and everyone just like lets you live with that. Everything is very Catholic. Well, in Louisiana,
1: Um, you're getting hit with urban legends from every angle, whether it's from a family member or someone the community. Everything there is old. There's a lot of dilapidated like sheds and barns. It's
0: essentially the oldest parts of America. A
1: lot of really... Thick wooded yeah. areas, which are always terrifying, animals that you don't know what make that noise. Yeah,
0: there's all kind of horrifying. It's uh, uh, Louisiana in many ways is the Australia, uh, Australian outback of uh, of the United States. Right. Uh, but anyway, it it that's all part of the things that make me um made me get into this all of these sort of genre movies and stuff like that and and, and ghost stuff and scary things, even sci fi and all that weird stuff that comes along with it. Um, so it's really cool to revisit this. But uh, And and let it stir up some, some things. But I think, I think one thing, um, one thing's for sure that we're going to definitely come back to, are you afraid of the dark?
1: Well, I love it so much and it never ceases to amaze me how much the, um, titles, the end credit song amps me up. Yo.
0: Okay. That's what I was just about to get into. Uh, the, are you afraid of the dark end credits, uh, song fucking slaps. And it is, it's like a remix version of the intro, and it's this. Yes. So I'm waiting for that announcer to come on and tell me what's coming up next, and like that Stick Stickly is going to do some marathon thing.
1: I'm so excited for Pete and Pete is up next.
0: Because this was part of Snick, so this would mean that like, Either like all that, or I remember Roundhouse,
1: mm-hmm. or um, I'm staying up past my bedtime for this.
0: Clarissa explains it all is going to come on. Maybe we'll get some Pete and Pete, because Pete love and Pete it. is there. Pete and Pete has some like creepy ass episodes. Oh yeah, too. Um, but yeah, there's just so many iconic. Erie, Indiana. Oh Erie, Indiana. That was a little later, but man, it is. Fucking terrifying. Really, really great. There's really iconic stuff from Are You Afraid of the Dark, and we'll jump into that on some episodes of B-Bites for sure.
1: One last little tidbit of trivia that I really love about this episode that I can't wait to share with you. What's that? If you play all the way through to the end of the credits, you get a very rare Nickelodeon title splash that is the striped logo that is very hard to find a video copy of.
0: That's interesting.
1: So I... Tell you, go back, find that at the end of the credits for a little bit of nostalgia. I'm a
0: sucker for old bumpers and ads and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: I love it so much. Um, Sitting in our um, little makeshift studio right now, our game room, I know we've got a cool little uh, Nickelodeon clock. Oh, I have the Nickelodeon alarm clock. It still works. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, And a lot of fun, you know... Uh,
0: Aro monsters pops.
1: Yeah, we've got some Rocko. Rocco.
0: See a cat dog over there.
1: Yeah, I mean Kumail is up there too, but he uh, he's keeping them all company.
0: That's right. All kind of weird stuff. And then uh, I've got an I've got an Aro monsters pencil um, drawing from an yeah, animation. A cell,
1: <laughs> and that was. That's one of my favorite pieces. Nickelodeon has always
0: been very important to me in my development as a kid. It did They each do such cool weird shit that they don't – I mean, I guess they, don't, they go back and forth, and sometimes they do weird stuff, sometimes they don't. It depends on the era and who's mm-hmm. kind of in charge over there. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'm excited to do more of these, and uh, we'll get back to another regular episode coming up this weekend. Um, however, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, if you – Reach out and, and tell us, you know, some of your favorite episodes, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Some that I'd you'd like, like to see know us go over.
1: What was your childhood like intro to genre?
0: Yeah. What kind of kinder trauma got you into genre film? Yeah. Whether it's sci-fi or horror or anything, uh, if it's Are You Afraid of the Dark, what episodes do you that really stuck out to you and why? Mm-hmm. Um, shoot us a message about those at B T-R-O-T-H-E-D at Gmail dot com um, or reach out to us on Instagram that's at Pod, or on Twitter at betrothed um and and let us know, you know what you think and and what you want to hear us talk about next, even on one of these little mini episodes because okay. uh, it's not really it doesn't have to just be media. No. there's all kind of stuff you know do some we go through and do some ghost story things you know if you guys have weird things you want to talk about just anything relating to the genre or I, even relationships we've talked about that too
1: I would love <laughs> to hear some original ghost stories and how they have affected
0: your relationships some original ghost stories oh you mean like Thing, like real life, encounters. like
1: I want to know your paranormal encounter, like the
0: haunted house we lived in in Nashville
1: that really shaped our relationship, did it not? And we'll
0: get into that on another episode Absolutely. of Betrothed, and uh, or Betrothed uh, B bites more mm-hmm. or less
1: B bites.
0: So until, until next time, next you can time, find
1: me on Instagram at ktna2k. <laughs> I'm so
0: used to ending and beginning these things, and you can find me <laughs> at I am Chris Hayden on all the things.
1: I can't tell everybody to fuck off and die. No, enjoy your week. Be
0: well.